return more with Robin Ansel from the UK American Civil War Roundtable on Civil War Talk Radio. Let's sing that new song. My music track, track, track from the Godom Jack, Jack, Jack plays MP3, three, three, three that I download fast, fast, fast. I read the bits, bits, bits on the microchips, chips, chips, and I burn, burn, burn all my favorite hits, hits, hits. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in technology, but parents can help keep them updated. Go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. Attention swimmers, get out of the water. Everybody, out of the water immediately. Dude, is that? It's a pair of thunder thighs. Big ones, too. That mom who's been swimming a lot with her kids must have lost them. Whoa. I heard about this happening once up at Laguna. Small step number 54. Play with your kids. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much. Unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Looking for answers in real estate? We break it down for you. Each week, the Exeter Group explores how successful investors evaluate and acquire real estate to build their portfolio. From financing tips, tax and accounting strategies, and advice on how to control risk, the Exeter Group entertains and informs while divulging secrets used by the most successful investors. Tune in to the Exeter Group every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Studio A. Hey, how you doing? Educational video, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. But with free family learning programs, you can get the education you need. Call 1-877-FAMLIT-1 for information on free learning programs. 1-877-FAMLIT-1. Check it out, check it out. We're your GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with Robin Ansel from the UK American Civil War Roundtable. Uh, apologies to Anthony, my fine engineer, for not being ready during the break with the introduction. My daughter walked in unexpectedly uh, over from her school uh, here on a Friday afternoon, and uh, I was momentarily distracted by the demands of parenthood. But we're back. Everything's fine. We're under control. And we're talking uh, about the the intersection of interest in the American Civil War uh, and and well, Ed, Ed Bars in particular, I think. It, we we were talking about Ed, uh, who uh, Robin, you said spoke to your group at its uh, 50th anniversary. And he did, yes. And uh, in fact, we do have quite a bit of contact with him because uh, he also came over to unveil the plaque in Liverpool, and he does a lot of um, um, 
cooperative um, military tours with um, one of our members who runs a firm called Old Country Tours, who do tours in Europe around the battlefields, but also in the States as well. Uh, a gentleman called Peter Lockwood, who may or may not be a familiar name to you, but um, he's certainly well known on the, uh, the battlefield tours circuit. And um, he takes our members on European tours uh, and tours to the States, but they're open to the general public as well. Well, I wanted uh, to ask you about, about that. You, you've been to the United States. Um, I've been, th- luckily, uh, now three times. What, what's your impression of the, the battlefield, seeing them after reading them, uh, uh, reading about the, them? Yeah, the first time, um, the first trip was in 2000, and we spent a couple of days uh, at the start of the holiday in Washington, D.C., and that was um, that was that was amazing. But I think uh, the, it really hit me when I when we caught. Uh, I was with my uh, family, two two small sons at the time, um, my wife. Uh, we caught the Amtrak down to Fredericksburg, and the following day, when I was stood on Marie's Heights, and I was at uh, one of the points where the interpretation panels were saying this was where Lee stood when he issued his classic famous expression, it's good that war's so terrible lest we grow too fond of it. And I read that on the plaque and it was a beautiful sunny morning and a shiver went down the back of my spine. I'd read so much about the Civil War, I'd read that quote so many times and to actually be stood at the spot where he had been, it just, um, it was very, very moving indeed. Uh, And I thought the interpretation of the battlefields um, is far better than anything that certainly used to be done in this country. Um, I don't visit many British battlefields. Uh, We don't have that many compared with America, but um, when I have done, many years ago, I went to Naseby. Interestingly, they're connecting with your introduction, the English Civil War, and I think apart from a, a rather um, uh, poor-looking monument, um, which had probably been up a 100 years and looked in far worse state than it ought to, um, there was nothing else visible to give you any impression of what had gone on there. Hmm. Um, if I'd not had the Ordnance Survey map with me, I probably would never have found it, whereas um, it's the complete opposite in the States. Um, you've got signposts and markers and maybe sometimes it perhaps goes a bit overboard but it's better i think perhaps on the whole that way than ignoring it uh, i'm very impressed indeed well there really is no no substitute for for walking the ground to no, there isn't. understand what happened at these these battle sites yeah now, in terms of understanding what happened though uh some major contributions in civil war scholarship have been made by british authors uh over the years often taking a view different from that of American authors. I'm thinking particularly of uh, people like uh, J.F.C. Fuller, uh, who uh, was one of the uh, first authors to attack, well, not attack, but to to champion uh, Grant as as, uh, far the better general than Lee. Um, Not a a widely held view at the time, the early 20th century, when he he wrote about that. And uh, even today it will, will... pretty much get you an argument in a lot of places. Yes, yeah. I, th- I think it was um, Little Heart um, controversial as well. I, I forget in what way, but I think he may have taken a different view as well on aspects. So, and and more, more recently, um, Patty Griffith has oh, written yes. 
Uh, Tactics of the Civil War? Yes. Uh, You'll have to be careful, though, because I think he might be one of our members. Well, I'm fairly sure he is. He's someone uh, I I hope to have on the show sometime and talk to him about his his views. I thought his book, uh, Battle Tactics of the Civil War, uh, was fascinating. It's been reissued now under the title Rally Once Again. Yeah. There's who are out looking for it. Um, But I remember when it came out, uh, there were uh, a number of critical... Uh, uh, responses to it from American Civil War enthusiasts, not so much from from scholars, but uh, people who objected to his uh, argument uh, that that the the American Civil War was not all that unique and there wasn't all that much to be learned from it in terms of tactics uh, and that proper uh, European-style cavalry riding boot to boot could have just ridden over the battlefields at will. does this kind of view uh, still hold among your members in any way? That uh... I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer that one, Jerry. Actually, I, th- I think that one's um, one that is probably beyond uh, the knowledge I've got of our membership. Um, but if you're going to have Paddy on, I, I'm fairly sure he is one of our members. Um, I will be very interested to listen to that one. Well, that, that, um, that's what we'll have to do. Then I'll have to get hold of him. And uh... yeah, uh, the, the members in our current. Um, society whose publications I'm more familiar with are probably uh, choosing less controversial topics. Um, uh, A member called Andrew Bocock did a a classic book on the Alabama, um, which seems to keep cropping up in our conversation this evening. Um, Wonderful, um, every photograph of the Alabama surviving, of which there are not very many, most of them are deck scenes rather than uh, profile shots of the ship itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, are reproduced in his book, and uh, um, architectural drawings of the actual ship, all the detail of the armaments. It really is sort of the the Alabama Buffs guide to everything you want to, to ever know about the Alabama. And say um, his name again. The author's name? Andrew Bocock. So uh, listeners may want to pursue that if you have an interest in. Uh, in the Alabama. And, uh, I have a feeling it was published by Conway, but I may be wrong on that. Conway Maritime. Yes, well known for their yeah, the maritime books. Well, while we're the, talking about books, what who's your favorite Civil War author? Um, that's a difficult one. <laughs> having read so many and having so many as yet unread on my shelves, I tend to, as a, I said I was a librarian, but... Um, um, to be more specific, 20 years of my career um, was as a reference librarian prior to my current job, mm-hmm. and therefore I tend to go for the reference books rather than the uh, the narrative on the whole. And the, the indispensable books for me, and have been for many years, probably 20 years, if not longer, are the classic Generals in Blue and Generals in Grey by Ezra Warner. Um, I think if I was going to be deprived of my collection, bar two books, those would be the two that I would hang on to. That's an interesting answer. I think they are fascinating, uh, and they do give a, an authoritative, uh, sort of brief biography of every uh, general on either side. Yes, as, as obscure as you want, they're all in there. Uh, with photographs of, of most of them too. Which yes. must have been I think the first edition of Generals in Blue, or was it? I think it was Generals in Blue, that he hadn't found one for one particular general, but by the time it got reprinted, uh, he'd found one. So it is, yes, every general's got a, a mugshot. 
and uh, and of course the the same sort of technique has been followed up slightly differently, but by um, Roger Hunt with his brevet brigadier generals in blue, and um, um, Robert Allard no Bruce Allardyce's more generals in grey. Uh, that 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 kind of reference book I find absolutely fascinating. If, uh, in terms of these generals, uh, this is the, the time machine question that I often ask guests on the show. Uh, if you could go back uh, and spend an hour with one of them, uh, or, or any figure from the Civil War era, who, who would you like to meet and what would you talk about? Um, I've given this some thought because I'm an avid li- listener of Civil War talk radio, and I was primed. So I think my answer would be something that I also contributed to our Crossfire magazine a couple of years back. I think I'd want to be, it'd probably be more where I'd want to be in a way. I'd like to be in the bar of Ford's Theatre when John Wilkes Booth is having his final drink. And I'd like to delay him the whole evening. Ah. Uh, uh... Get him drunk. <laughs> And then uh, history, the course of history would be radically changed. Well, how would history be different then, in your view? Well, hopefully, would have a slightly more sympathetic reconstruction. The uh, one of the classic misconceptions in American historiography of, of Reconstruction, uh, dating back to the, the late 19th century, is that Johnson, Andrew Johnson, was uh, you know, Lincoln's successor, was tried to be Lincolnian, tried to be kind to the South, as Lincoln surely would have been. Uh, but then those evil, uh, radical Republicans thwarted him, and we had the horrors of Reconstruction. Yeah. Um, do you, it, how would Lincoln have been... Uh, what, what would Lincoln have done differently, do you suppose? And I hear the music, so you have yeah. uh, 30 seconds for a concise answer. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm lost for words on that one, Jerry, because I think you'd be in a better position to give an answer to that than me. I'm not sure, but I just feel he did so many things uh, just spot on in his lifetime. I'm sure he would have got that one right as well in the end. I think uh, I, I would agree with that gut feeling. Uh, if I were completely shameless, I'd say that's one of the questions in Did Lincoln Own Slaves? What would have happened? Uh, and we can all uh, get a copy of that and read it. But I'll, I'll stop with that and instead say thank you very much for taking time out of your evening in the U.K. Uh, today to call in to Civil War Talk Radio. My pleasure. Uh, next time you're in the United States, uh, it's a big country, but hopefully we could find a way to get together. That would be great. And uh, I would like that very much. So uh, thank you again. And listeners... Thank you for joining us today on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm.